privilege to be at this place today and to be in our right minds and to uh, be blessed uh, above measure today. So many are distressed today and bereaved today. And, uh, just so much is going on that uh, anybody who knows God has to wake up every day with a greater appreciation for him and the peace that is available to us in the midst of such war on every levels in our world. We thank God for the knowledge of the truth. We ought not take that for granted, for everybody doesn't know truth. And when you don't know truth, you can't be set free. Jesus said that the truth is what sets you free. And until you know the truth, there is no free. There is bondage and bondage only. So we come this morning thanking God for sending Jesus so we would know what true freedom feels like. I'm grateful today to approach you with a lesson that I believe is uh, needed. It's needed by all people, but especially by God's people. I do believe that there is a word from God for the children of God today. And I want to use the passage that was read by Brother Holmes this morning and want to thank him for that reading and Brother Potts for those songs and Brother Jones and, and then again um, for our prayer, Brother Tony. I want to revisit Matthew chapter 22 and I want to link with it one other passage and we'll be on our way today. If you are visiting with us, know that we uh, are happy to have you with us today and that we do not take for granted your visit with us. Please do know that our only concern is to ensure that all men understand what the word of God teaches. We are not here in any way to entertain. That's not our goal. So if you come looking for entertainment, you've really come to the wrong place this morning. There will be no entertaining here. We are here to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we believe that the only way we can do that is by understanding what the scriptures teach us about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We don't have to sit down and come up with our own ideas. God has left us everything we need to know in order to be pleasing and acceptable to him. Now, I want to ask you again to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Let's look at verse number 35. I know we started with 36, but I want to start with 35. Because as Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and of course, you know, Jesus, when he spoke to the Pharisees, was usually saying something to them that was uh, hitting them right between the eyes. The Pharisees didn't Say amen to what Jesus said. <laughs> they didn't like what Jesus had to say to them. 
And often, I, as I read the Gospels and see some of the kind of things he said to them, I can just imagine that they were looking at each other with expressions of surprise, with that look on their face of who does he think he's talking to? You know, he just called us a bunch of hypocrites. Who, who is this man? Doesn't he know who we are? And doesn't he know that he's out of place talking to us like that? And on one instance in Matthew 22, the Bible says in verse 35, then one of them, one of the Pharisees who was a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? thinking he had put Jesus on the spot. Choose one over the others, Jesus, that's better than the rest of them. That's more powerful than the rest of them. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, which must have blown their minds because I think they expected Jesus to say, well, you know, thou shalt not steal is greatest. Or maybe thou shalt not commit adultery. That's great. So they could, they could stay away from that or stay closer to something else. But Jesus gave them an answer that they really didn't want to hear. You want to know what the greatest commandment is? Love God. Now, what problem could you possibly have with that? Love God. With all your heart and your soul, with everything you are. And the second is like unto the first. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And you can imagine, he said to them, on these two commandments, hang all of the law and the prophets. They didn't recap. They didn't say, Lord, explain that to us some more because they knew exactly what it meant. Now, let's move on and let me say what I have to say to you this morning. Under the topic, God won't force himself on us. Know that God will not force himself on us. I want to read one other passage before we get into this. Turn with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begat also loves him who is begotten of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. I want to talk this morning about worship psalm and, and service. I think all of us have grown up probably pretty much uh, hearing the word worship. 
well before we understood it. I know as a child, I, I remember hearing worship all of the time in testimonials, in scriptures, in sermons. It was all over the place. And even though I heard the word, I really, it took me some time to really study and to determine what worship really is. And I think that we need to talk about that some more this morning and make a certain distinction between worship and service. Now, we're going to come to that, but I want to just uh, briefly introduce this whole concept. God has never forced himself on mankind in general or on us individually. Really, he allows us to have our way. So you can have it your way. And you've heard people say in that same kind of vein, when you ask somebody to borrow some money, it's not the amount you want to borrow, but the interest that's going to be your problem. Well, I say to you likewise that where Christianity is concerned, it's not that you can't have it your way. It's the consequences that follow. The decision to have your way should be made only after you know what the Lord expects from you. Men have loaded on to what God really expects of us. And in so doing, have shown themselves to be harder on each other than God is. What does God really require of us? I want to answer that question this morning as simply as I can because I believe it's a question that we all wrestle with. At the end of the day, what does God want from me? What? can I do that will make God happy or cause him to be pleased with me? Do some of you wrestle with that question from day to day? A am I doing enough to be pleasing to God? Just where do I stand with God? Which all comes out of the question, what does God really require of us? Well, the Bible tells us in our scriptural text this morning in Matthew 22, as well as in 1 John 5, basically that his commands are not burdensome. Whatever the Lord expects of us, it is not burdensome. It's not grievous. What the Lord expects of us is that we love and worship him and serve our fellow man. That's it in a nutshell. I don't care what anybody else told you. Jesus said on those two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. What is it? It's not magical and mystical and twistical. It's not something that you have to have a master to understand. 
What does God expect from us? That we will love him, worship him, and that we will serve our fellow man. It's no more or less than that. Jesus says it's all summed up in those words. Everything hinges on this. These two commandments. We often confuse worship with service where God has separated them into one and two distinct items. You see that in Matthew 22? The first is to serve God and worship him. The second is to love your neighbor. Two distinct items. They asked him which was the greatest commandment and the Lord gave them one and two. And they were distinct from one another. Many have come to believe that their worship is their service. Pay attention. Many have come to believe that their worship is their service. But worship is something we do every Sunday. Whereas service is something we do every day. To that end, each of us must not wait on the church as a whole before we start serving. Because if you wait on the church to get on, I don't know if the church will ever, if everybody in the church will ever be on the same page on the same day at the same time. I think that's an impossibility. Because we constantly have people who are maturing and you have those who are being newly added to the body. Those who are babes in Christ. Those who are adolescents in Christ. Those who are adults in Christ. Those who are senior citizens in Christ. And to get all of them thinking the same way at the same time, let me know if you find that anywhere. And then hold them till I get there so I can look at them. I want to see how that kind of crowd looks. But if you waiting on the church to ever be at a point where we all believe the same thing to the same degree at the same time and are ready to act on it together, you don't grow weary in well-doing here. Yeah? What am I saying that for? I'm saying that we ought not wait on the corporate body before we start serving as individuals. Every person in the body must incorporate into his or her daily routine some expression of faith or love and teaching, some form of outreach. That's what each of us owes this community. Find something to do that expresses your talent and do it in the church and in the community. You don't have to do it with me to be saved. You can do it by yourself and be saved because you are going to be rewarded by the one who sits high and looks low. Not me. So don't wait on me to do your good deeds. Do them so that your Father in heaven, the Bible says, can see them. Why are you waiting on me? The Lord waiting on you. 
What are you showing him that you waiting on me? Do it as an individual regardless of what others are doing. We seem to like worship better than study of the word because we attend the former much better than we do the latter. We, we'll have this number th uh, this morning and then a third of this number tonight. But we'll have a third of tonight's attendance Wednesday. So we seem to be about worship. We seem to like worship more than we do study of the, God, of the word of God. But this needs to be corrected because our worship cannot be in spirit and truth if we don't know and understand the word. If we don't know in essence what worship is. Here's the central question. Do you believe that God asks too much of you? Now, you don't have to answer me, but whatever answer is in your heart, guess who knows? Guess who has your heart under a microscope right now? Oh, you may wish I didn't ask these questions because an answer is imminent. An answer is in your being that God knows. Let me ask it again. Do you believe that God asks too much of you? Someone has said, many people have just enough religion to make them miserable. And that's about right. We can't do with it, can't do without it. Trying to have a little dab and wondering why we can't make stuff work out right. They don't want to do it, but are afraid to not do it. Is that where you are today? I really don't want to worship, but I don't know what will happen if I don't. So I'm going to go on anyway, just to be on the safe side. There are people who reason like that, folks. And you need to understand that if that's the way you reason, that's in error. You don't really understand what worship is. The Bible says that his commands are not grievous. Are his commands grievous and burdensome to you? I'm just asking. Are the commands of God burdensome to you we do some things even though we experience them as burdensome we still do them and I have this news flash for you nothing well anything that you don't really want to do is burdensome anything that you don't want to do is grievous if you got a good job and you don't want to go that's burdensome Anything that you really don't want to do is grievous to you. So is having and showing love to one another burdensome to you? Does that present a burden to you? Because the Lord says, love your fellow man. Is that burdensome? 
Is worship of God burdensome to you? When you think of coming to worship, is it a weight that wears you down, drags you down? You don't really look forward to going, but you cannot come on anyway. If that's where you are, then either you don't understand worship, what it truly is, and it has as a result of that become a burden for you. And let me tell you this, if it is a burden, God didn't make it so. You made it a burden. Because the Lord says, my commands are not grievous. Now, if you make up some on your own, I can't promise you anything about them. But the, the commands I've given you are not burdensome. Is love for God burdensome to you? Oh, what questions. Is loving God grievous to you? Is service rendered to your fellow man burdensome to you? So when you go and help somebody out, you leave with this attitude of, man, I wish they'd find somebody else to call. If they need anything, I hope they'll call somebody else. I sure hope they don't call here. You're talking about somebody for whom the service to fellow man has become burdensome. It's grievous. But who made it grievous? Certainly not the law. Mm. If these things are burdensome to you, again, it's because you made it that way. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm beginning to understand now why some people have difficulty coming to worship and why some others come to worship and go to sleep. And why others get up and walk back and forth during the worship. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy to worship when you don't want to. Oh, you're a brave soul if you think you can sit up in the house of God and not want to worship. And that it's going to be easy for you. See, because when you worship God. It's an invitation for God to examine your heart. Every time we come in to worship, God is examining our hearts. And I think some of you know that. It's hard to sing these songs if you don't want to. It's hard to listen to a prayer if you don't want to. It's hard to listen to the preaching of the word if you don't want to. It's hard to commune if you really don't want to. And some of us have just enough conscience that at certain times we must get blown away and have to get up and leave and go out and get ourselves composed again. Lord, they singing a song that I can't sing in all good conscience. Lord, they're preaching on something that I really don't want to hear. Hmm. I'm almost where I need to be. Let 
let me say this to you. All God wants of us is what's best for us. So God will let you have it your way if you want it. He'll leave you to your own devices. He'll let you do your thing and do it your way. Just be prepared for the consequences. Now here are the suggestions for service, but here is what worship is. Worship is not the singing of the songs, folks. Worship is not about how much you put in the collection tray. Worship is not about volunteering to watch the children. It's not worship. These may be acts or expressions of worship, but they don't determine what the the definition of true worship is. Here's the definition of true worship. And there are a lot of them out there that deal with reverence and adoration. But there is one in Webster's that I particularly like and I think it fits with Matthew 22. To worship, and in particular to worship God, is to have an extravagant or exaggerated love for God and an extreme or excessive submission to him. I don't know what you've been thinking worship is, but that's what true worship is. So true worship is centered in where God exists in your life. Is he a priority? Because when we come together corporately to worship, that's what we should be coming together to do. To express an extravagant, exaggerated love for God. Now, let let me, man, this is getting hard now. Mm. You know, I know when you fall in love with somebody, especially from a guy's standpoint, they don't like to let folk know that they're overly in love with somebody, so they want to be cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they want to walk around with this pretty young thing on their arm, and it's like, she loved me to death, but she, she all right. Because <laughs> it's not proper for a young guy to be drooling over a woman like that. The boys would get on him and say, you know, you done lost your cool. You know, somebody got to maintain some cool, and since you the man, you need to maintain it. So whereas she has to say, I love him, you get away with saying, shy. Shy. Well, you know, it can be the same way with God. Some people love God, but they don't go out of their way to show it. So the attitude is like, shy. But in true worship, true worship is an extravagant show of love for God. It's exaggerated 
so people can see it. It's not hidden under a bushel. It's not hidden under cool. It's not hidden under charisma. It's not hidden under our outward facades. If you have an exaggerated love for God, you don't mind folks seeing it. You don't mind folks knowing it. There's some folk who send their wives a dozen roses and there's some who send them a dozen. And folk will say, man, that, that man's so lovely. You know what I mean? A dozen? You get my point. The love that is to be shown God in worship is a love unlike we are to show anybody else. It's an extravagant, it, it's, it's, it's like fireworks going off. But we so subdued. You love God? Mm-hmm. You really in love with God? Yeah, he I. Oh, if you really worship God, you don't mind it being extravagant. And you don't mind it being exaggerated. Oh, Lord, I've already gone over my time. I apologize to y'all, but I'm getting ready to sit down right now. And an extreme and excessive submission to him. You know what that means? That means even though you don't want to stay still during the service, your extreme submission to him will make you keep your seat. Because you don't want to do anything to draw attention away from the preaching of the word or the prayer of the singing. Why? Because of your submissiveness. Have you ever sat through something that was so intriguing you wouldn't even get up to go to the bathroom? So act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know some of you sat there and crossed your legs. Got to go to the bathroom, but what you watching is so intriguing, you can't even bring yourself to get up. Just <laughs> until you see what's happening, and then you can go. But all of a sudden, when we come to church, we can't sit for 15, 20 minutes. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Why don't you take care of your problems the same way you do with other things? You, you getting ready for the service of God. This is not about me. And this is not about you to evaluate the worship service. That's not why you come here to evaluate the worship service. Where well, the singing was all right today. Who asked you? We're not singing to you. We're singing to the Father. So it's not your place to come here and, and evaluate the service. And determine when it no longer meets your criteria. What I get up and go. You know what that is? That's like walking out on Jesus. Hmm. Oh, you don't have to like it. Suggestions for service. Suggestions for service. Since I told you, don't wait. Do your own thing. Perform an act of kindness every day. Is that burdensome to you? 
Make every effort to get along with others. Is that a burden to you? Seize daily opportunities to put a word in for the Lord. Is that burdensome? Volunteer time or to make contributions to the YM, YWCA, the Firehouse Shelter, Jimmy Hale Mission and the like. Is that burdensome? Is the thought of that grievous to you? Because if it is, God says, I didn't make it grievous. My commands are not grievous when I told you to care about your fellow man and love him. Care for a senior citizen or someone in need of assistance. Teach someone the Bible. Provide a meal for someone in need. Provide sound counsel to yes, some young couple. Do something daily to glorify God through service to others. Make it a part of your routine. All these acts of service, burden, are they burdensome to you? Are they too much for God to ask of you? Hmm. I'm going to leave that with you. And I'm going to ask God to deal with your hearts right now as he deals with mine. And if there's a need for you to respond, please do so right now as we together stand and as we say.